Welcome to The Art of Hunting, a podcast that explores the world of wildlife art through the eyes of one of the industry's most talented creators, Ryan Kirby. So whether you're a fellow artist, designer, hunter, or simply someone who appreciates the beauty of the natural world, join us on The Art of Hunting with Ryan Kirby and discover the passion and dedication that drives him. Live from Boone, North Carolina. From Boone, North Carolina. Um, episode 8 of the Art of Hunting podcast. Yes. Me and Mad Dog in the studio today. We got a good one for you. And you can see me. Hello, friends. <laughs> Hello. Mad Dog. I'm not just a voice in the room anymore. <laughs> and you're wearing a Georgia Bulldog shirt. I so am. that's that's kind of cool. Everybody, everybody knows you as Mad Dog, and now there's a everybody asks dog in your it. shirt. They'll be like Georgia, why? And I'll be like because I like them. Have you always been a Georgia fan? I liked them. Um, I really started following them that first time that they played Alabama in the championship game. Yeah, and I hate Alabama. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I just, I well, hate Well, we the just time. cut our subscription in half, yeah. <laughs> our viewership in half. That's all right. I'm not a big, I'm not a, <laughs> I don't like them at all. And so, and I like Kirby Smart. I think he's yeah. a great coach. Yeah. And I actually, when I was doing video with App State, inter, or not interned, I interviewed for an internship with the Georgia football team. Yeah. And I almost got it. I was really close. And I actually know the guy he used to be the video guy there um he used to be the video guy for app state really yeah his name is jake Stroot. shout out jake if you're listening okay he's a cool dude yeah but yeah we he was really close and to us and to app state people and now i think he's at the atlanta falcons maybe oh wow as their video guy yeah i could be wrong but so mad dog has a you uh tell the tell the folks out there what (laughs) (laughs) what uh what you did before like some of your video stuff you were at florida state for a while you worked for asu so i started off um i'm a communications journalism major from app state um i did their I did their communications journalism program and wanted to do like sports broadcasting. I was the girl that like every other girl that wants to be in sports broadcast. I'm going to be the next Aaron Andrews. Oh, That's yeah. going to be me. Yeah. But then I kind of realized how I'm like terrified of talking to the camera. But look at me now. <laughs> look at you now. <laughs> but so then I was like, well, I kind of like just being behind the scenes. Well, then I got involved with the App State video football video team and that was like the best three and a half years ever. I yeah. made a lot of friends. We won a bunch of championship games. And so essentially what I did was I recorded practice for the team and the team would watch the game film that I shot. Yeah. And uh, my brother actually did it with me. So we got to travel around the country. So really there's a lot of from, I think it was 2016, Eli joined. No, Eli came at 2017. So from like 2017 to 2019, the all of the college football world that watches App State practice film because yeah. they share it with it's like a whole system. They share it with oh, each really? other. Oh, mm-hmm. really? For scouting? Scouting or like there's other um, like if a if another school has a good relationship with App State, they'll share yeah. that if they want to talk if they have run the same kind of defense or the same kind of offense or something like that. They'll like share film and, and you I, share it with the whole conference too. 
Really? I didn't know that. Well, not like practice film. It's like game film. Oh, game it. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, miss, I thought you were talking yeah. about practice film. No, no, I was no. like, whoa. No, that was wrong. Okay. Disregard. That was really wrong. Okay. <laughs> but all the games from like 2017 to 2019, Eli's shooting the end zone film and I'm shooting the sidelines. So like the okay. Sheltons did that. Yeah. So we thought that was really cool. But that is cool. We got and to, you DJed practices too. That's I cool. I did, yeah. That was hard. Yeah. <laughs> It was hard, but it was fun. I, coaches would request stuff. Players would be like, I want this. And then I'd be like, well, is there a clean version? <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. And then I went to Florida State for six months and yeah. worked, interned there. Um, it was different. Yeah. It was a lot different. Yeah. It was a totally different culture. And it just wasn't home. And yeah. so I just came home. Yep. <laughs> and then I... Also, actually, I've done stuff with, like, the Panthers. I did yeah. a bunch of stuff with TA Films. I know they follow you, so if you listen to the podcast, TA Films. Yeah. They're awesome. Did a bunch of stuff with Luke Combs, too. Cool. Um, One of uh, the, I think it's the She Got the Best of, yes, the She Got the Best of Me video. I recorded Eli walking in cowboy boots on our driveway. And, yeah. like, the very beginning of that video where Luke's walking up into his house. Yeah. That's Eli's boots. No way. Yeah. That's cool. It's cool. Yeah. So, <coughs> Luke Holmes, if you listen to our podcast, huge fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tag Zach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zach will get him to listen. But, yeah, and then they made, like, a poster, and so my name's, like, on the poster. Oh, really? It has, like, a executive producer or something. Yeah. Sound producer or something like huh. that. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't know a lot of that stuff. Yeah, we... I did a bunch of stuff. When I was with TA Films, we did, like, the Panthers intro video um, a couple okay. times. So I got to meet some players, and... Yeah. Uh, I was, like, throwing the football to them in the video, and they'd, like, catch it. Like Devin Funches, do you remember him? Huh. He was a wide receiver for the Panthers. I don't know okay. where he's at now. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And but he's really good receiver for the Panthers and he's super goofy guy, really funny. I threw the ball badly. Like it was a horrible throw. Like way over top of him and he like jumped up and caught it. You know, the man does it professionally. Yeah. And <laughs> I was like so taken aback. I was like Oh, I'm so sorry. That's a terrible throw. And he just grinned at me and winked at me. And it was like, I was. That's probably the one that made the cut, too. Wasn't it, it was. I yeah. like didn't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he was like, You doubted me? I do this for a living. And I was like, This is true. <laughs> That's true. But yeah, I met like Greg Olson. Yeah. Luke Keekley was my favorite. And yeah. he sent me to go get breakfast when Luke Keekley did his thing. Oh, and I was man. so mad. I like I cried about it. I was so mad. I wanted to meet Luke Keekley so bad. He's my favorite football player ever. Yeah. And yeah, I was just I was devastated. I had to go get Chick-fil-A nuggets for the crew. We should get him on the podcast. Oh, Luke. Yeah. He's a fisher. He's a Yeah. Like he's been up here fishing. Like Has a he lot. Really? Yeah. He comes up here and fishes a lot. Yeah. He like, I was at, listen to this too. I was at Comeback Shack one time. I think it was like with Cole. And the next day he came to Comeback Shack and like stopped in and got a burger. And they like took a picture of him. It was the day after I was there. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so mm. mad. I love him so much. <laughs> That'd be cool if we could get him on the podcast. That'd be dope. You could meet him for the first time in person. In interview person him. and interview. That'd be him. cool. 
I wouldn't know what to do. We'd figure cry. it out. <laughs> well, we're talking about the growth and maturity today. Yep. Growth and maturity, the whitetail buck. Um, it's been our most popular print the for a long print time. That changed everything. Changed everything, really, for the most part. It's behind you. Yeah. Conveniently. <laughs> Conveniently. Um, yeah, and we're going to be doing a giveaway. So that's uh, that's more motivation to watch this entire podcast yes. and get our YouTube hours up. That's true. <laughs> yes. And it's in our beautiful Timberland frame. Timberland. It's my favorite. Yep, for sure. Yeah, that. no, that's, uh, that's a cool frame. It's been popular. It's nice and rustic. It's light. Uh, it's been a really good frame for it. I love that frame. It um, is um, It is not easy offering framed art uh, in from our studio. There's a lot of challenges to it. It's it's not not easy at all. And we we've had enough people reach out and want some framed options that we've we've done it. So it, it takes a lot of time to narrow it down to the frames that work best for the art and for us internally and customers like. And uh, we've got a couple good ones now. Yeah, the I think that's a really I know a lot of people like dark walnut too, but honestly, I think Timberland and dark walnut are like really close. Yeah. Like a lot yeah. of people order both. So yeah, it's like, um, okay. So you launched this in 2019, right? 2019. Yep. Okay. So it's been, it's 2023 now. So yep. it's been the most popular product. Yeah. By far. It's, it, we, um, we'll, we'll, to go back a little bit, give you a little backstory. Um, I have a, a licensee that handles a lot of home decor for us and they were pretty new and we wanted to meet them in person. We'd work with them for a little while and they have a high point furniture show in high point, North Carolina. And that it was, it was wild for me to see. Cause I, I just assume like, uh, I kind of assumed it'd be a big furniture show, you know, like yeah. a furniture store type right. deal. Yeah. And North Carolina used to be a huge producer of furniture, um, before everything started getting outsourced and overseas and everything, but they still have this show. And I'll never forget, I, you have to park in a mall off site cause they don't have enough parking there. And then you take a bus to the show and I didn't really know what to expect. And you get there and there's like Chinese dudes in like suits, like <laughs> getting off the bus. And it, it was wild. It was like a really, uh, kind of gregarious crowd a bunch of interior designers that's mainly what it was is interior designers uh furniture buyers retailers stuff like that so ton of stuff there and they basically it's like uh it's like four stories of all these companies that have their home decor there mm -hmm. and they have it's like a almost like a big trade show. So you you're a company you have your home decor there and retailers like you know Target Furniture stores, mm -hmm. Ashley Furniture, they they come and they pick which items they want to sell at retail in their store. So it's a big wholesale furniture show. Gotcha. But it's cool because you get to see all of the home decor that's cool next year. Mm -hmm. Like like we've talked about before, most of that is done with like forecasting. Interior designers think what's what's going to be great in 2024. Well, we're making it now and we're mm -hmm. showing it now so that we can get it at retail later. Nice. So it's kind of like a glimpse into the future. Like you don't. You don't think about that, but everything that we're buying now was produced a year or two ago from gotcha. somebody. So that part was cool. But as a designer and artist, I go around kind of looking at the wall art, like mm -hmm. critiquing everything, looking at everything. And I remember there was a, a big print. It was a big vertical print of butterfly species. 
And I think what they had done is like captured and photographed or freeze dried them or something, but it was like full color photography and they had the species name under in a big chart. And I thought that was cool. And I was like, man, what can we do for wildlife that's like that? Um, And then I started started thinking about duck species. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we did was the flyways prints where I sketched all of the um, duck species for all four flyways and started down that path. And I hired a really talented guy that I had met, Cameron Thorpe, um, really super talented dude, designer here locally. And I wanted like a fresh perspective on it. Like, hey, man, I I don't want to sometimes I'm too close to projects and I want some fresh design perspective. So I, I'd sub that out to him and work with him on the design of it. And that one was based a lot off of some of the other things that I had seen elsewhere. And what happened was I started that project in May. By July, I'd pretty much sketched everything out. And we knew we weren't going to launch till the fall. And so I started thinking, well, what else could we do? Like, mm-hmm. what else would be cool? And you know, I'm a deer hunter, always have been, and aging deer has been a big thing, aging deer on the hoof. And I was like, well, what if we did a whitetail aging piece? And it's more about the life cycle of a whitetail, um, how they grow and how they mature. And so the growth and maturity was kind of an afterthought. It's like, it's only July. We're not going to launch till October. What else could we do that's cool? And that's where that idea came from. Nice. Well, I don't know anything about how to age deer. So for the people that are like me, <laughs> why why do you go half years? Because I notice on the print, it's like one and a half, two and a half, three and a half. Why do mm-hmm. you do that? Is there a reason? Well, deer are born in the spring. Mm-hmm. So, and, and when you're aging them, you're aging them, you know, typically during hunting season. That's when they have their, fo- that's when their body is mature. They have their full set of antlers. They're in hard antlers. It's, it's mating season. So, that deer is a, is a half year old when you're doing it. So if a, if a fawn is born in May, June, early June, he's a half year old. His first year is a fawn in October during hunting season. The second year, he's one and a half. He's two oh, and a half. Okay. Kind of like when you ask Rhett or Brooklyn, like my toddlers, how old they are. They're like, I'm three and a half, you know, <laughs> like they want that credit for that extra half oh. a year. So you, you could, you could say three, four, five, but they're, like I said, they're, they're a half year, um, or in the fall when you're trying to age them. Gotcha. Okay. And what else you got? (laughs) It's like, uh, what was it? What else you want to talk about? (laughs) It was Billy Madison. He's like, when he's doing the the quiz at the end, he's like, any more brain busters for me? Whatever he says. Yeah. I don't even know if I've seen that movie. (laughs) Come on. I know. Okay. Is Back that to Adam deer. Sandler? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not an Adam Sandler person. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um. Podcast is over. We can't talk anymore. <laughs> you probably don't like Chris Farley either. <laughs> you don't know who Chris Farley is? I'm sure I, if you showed me, but I, I don't know names of people. I know their faces. I like mad dog. Me and my oh dad will be gosh. like, me and my dad will be like, oh, you know who that is? That's that person from that movie. We don't say, oh, that's so and so. We don't say that's Chris Farley. You were so cool at the beginning of this podcast, and your <laughs> stock dropped dramatically right there. Tanked. <laughs> oh, 
I'm just I'm just a 26 year old. Okay, I'm just 26 We got to get back on track. We got to get back on deer because this is gonna go bad. I know. Quickly. I'm kidding. I'm cl- I know. I'm kidding. I'm trying to look at the. I haven't like avidly read it. Yeah. So like, Cole told me <coughs> about this piece. Cole, my fiance, he loves. That's obviously his mm-hmm. favorite too. He says that's how I age deer. That's how I learned how to age deer was from yeah. growth and maturity. And I was like, oh, that's cool. But I like. And now, what's funny too is like the deer in my yard or whatever. Mm-hmm. If I see like the little button, don't buck, look at the rack. Don't I know. Look at the rack. <laughs> I'll be like, look at his. Look at the little. But they're tiny. Yeah. Like you can look at his body. They're, he looks just like that. He's they're mountain deer. Yeah. yeah, he's teeny little thing. Yeah. But yeah, so so you don't look at the rack. Well, yeah, that and that's the big thing is we, we you know timing is important. We've talked about that, and I mm-hmm. think that's a lot of the the reason for the success of this print is. Um, in hunt camp, like aging deer is cool. Mm-hmm. Now it's never been cool. It wasn't cool when I was growing up. We yeah. just shot whatever, you know? Um, but a lot of guys are trying to manage for the health of the herd for oh. older deer. And what you really need is you need like a balanced, uh, buck to doe ratio, like mm-hmm. a one to one buck to doe ratio. And you want mature deer in your herd. It's just, it's healthy for the herd to have yeah. a variety of age classes. That makes sense. And people are starting to manage their land for healthier deer herds. And obviously they want to shoot bigger deer. Like that's a big thing. I think, I think we've always been enthralled with racks. Like it's just cool. You know, Mm -hmm. it's cool to us. And, um, deer grow larger sets of antlers each year. So like you can see here, it's, yeah pretty obvious they'll start as a button buck or a spike and then they'll be four six point then they'll they'll get bigger mm-hmm. and guys that a lot of guys that own private land they want to harvest big mature deer well you have to let them grow mm-hmm. the variable the 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 monkey wrench and all that is that different deer have different genetics okay just like football players right <laughs> your linebackers your dbs your quarterbacks your offensive linemen defensive ends these days are like genetic freaks yeah (laughs) like so they all have different um genetics and until that buck is mature you really can't tell what he's going to produce gene wise Mm -hmm. um so in order to um in order to have mature deer to hunt on your property you need to let them grow well it's hard sometimes to determine age it's hard on the hoof you can send their teeth off uh, to get them aged, you can either age their jawbone by looking at their teeth. What I've done is sent the incisors off out of the front and they'll cut them in half and they'll count the rings in them just oh, like wow. a tree. But the deer has to be dead before that, right? <laughs> yes. The, the genetics play a part, but oh, the teeth, the teeth, you can send those off, but the deer's dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it does no good. And if you're trying to get mature deer, sometimes you'll have like a two and a half year old who's just a genetic freak and he looks huge Mm. and you can't look at his rack because you'll be like, oh, that deer's mature. He's big. Well, at two and a half, he might be a good deer. At three and a half, four and a half, he's a great deer. And at five and six, he's like world class. Mm. And if you really want to harvest him at his top end, you need to wait till he's mature. And so that's where a lot of the science and art comes into aging deer on the hoof is looking at the body characteristics that help you determine if that deer is mature enough to to harvest. 
it, assuming your goals, you can shoot whatever you want. Yeah. But if you want to shoot a four and a half or five and a half or six and a half, you need to know what you're looking for. Gotcha. Are they, is there a certain year that they're considered like mature and an adult? Um, well, and that's the other thing is that has gotten um, further out as we go along. As oh. we mature as hunters, a lot of guys would look for a three and a half year old. Okay. And it depends on your area too. Like that might be the oldest age class you have in your area because hunters are out to shoot bucks, shoot Mm -hmm. racks. And a lot of times, and this is a big heated debate in the deer world, like people get pissed if their neighbor shoots a small deer when they're trying to get them to an older age class and be more mature. Right. So in a lot of deer herds, three and a half might be the oldest deer around because they've all gotten shot. Mm. Um, but three and a half for a while was like the standard. Then people started going to four and a half. A lot of people are waiting until they get to five and a half now. And uh, and if, if they have enough land and can sort of like protect the deer and get them to that age class, they wouldn't wait till he's five and a half or older. Gotcha. But five and a half to six and a half. I work with Boone and Crockett Club on this. Um, I worked with a lot of people that we'll get into later, a lot of experts in the whitetail field. But... Uh, Boone and Crockett said that the average age of a Boone and Crockett deer, which we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. was the record book out there, um, is five and a half. So okay. five and a half, six and a half is usually a top end. And then as they get older, they start to go downhill. Yeah. So. Gotcha. As nature takes its toll. So when you say when you're aging a deer from the hoof, what does that mean? Well, you're basically trying to age that deer before you shoot it Mm -hmm. because once you shoot it it's too late right and we have people comment on social media like there's no way to accurately age on the hoof you got to look at his teeth which is true but the deer's dead by then i don't do you any good right um but there are certain body characteristics that as a deer gets older it's just like people you know like like dudes you look at a dude um (laughs) You know, little toddlers have a certain look about them. Then you mm-hmm. get like the teenage awkward phase, and then you get they start getting like muscles. And then, you know, college athletes and young pros are in their prime. Mm-hmm. And then they might get a gut, they might get a beer belly, they <laughs> might bond. start to sag, they might have hair growing in yeah. weird places. <laughs> and, and all, you know, wildlife are the same, probably even more because they're in nature all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's brutal. You know, nature can take a toll. So they start to sag. They start Mm -hmm. to walk different. They start to act different. And um, when there are certain characteristics that for the most part apply to each age class of a deer, and it's designed to help you identify those. But the ultimate goal of the print, though, is to be it's to be a piece about the the life cycle of a whitetail. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily like a chart on how to age deer. Yeah. It's more of a print. Like if you get, if you really read the copy on it, it talks about um, his his behavior, um, how many does he, how how heavily he participates in the rut, how many does he breeds, how he changes things like that. It's more, it's more of a print that celebrates the life cycle of our favorite game animal. Than yeah. it is how to age deer, but it does provide some pretty cool art and information at the same time. Were any of these like because you sketched all those? Sketched so, all of them. Are any of these based off of that big book you shot in the? No, Illinois? no, no. That was before. That was that was after. Oh, that was okay. long after. I gotcha. But one of, one of the things that I did with this one is, 
as I was looking around at some of the other pieces that are out there, there's some other aging posters and stuff like that, but they're all photos. Mm-hmm. And they're all photos of a lot of times different deer and different poses. And it's so hard to find a photo that shows everything about them. Mm-hmm. So in this, if you'll notice, like the, the leg positioning is the same on each deer. Mm-hmm. The, the, it, it, the advantage of sketching it and creating it from scratch is that I can produce an apples to apples comparison that, that shows what I want it to show, not looking at 45 photos of a two and a half year old and trying to determine which one looks the best I can draw it. And that was kind of the advantage that, uh, that we've got there. So like the tarsal glands, you know, the staining on the tarsal glands, I'm, you're nodding like you're nodding very politely, like you know what I'm talking about. I, I do it. not. I get it. You I know the it. tarsal glands. I do not. I do not. You know the tarsal glands, right? <laughs> so tarsal glands are these glands um, on the inside of a buck's hind legs, mm-hmm. and they they're a, they're a huge. Uh, they carry a lot of scent. They're a huge communicator between deer. So like deer can smell if a, another buck has been in their area because mm. they smell the tarsal glands. Gotcha. Same same with does and stuff. And what they do is they'll they'll rub urinate on them. They'll they'll visit a scrape and they'll rub those tarsal glands together and pee on those tarsal glands. And when they're rutting, all the hormones and pheromones and all that stuff shows up like a, a running buck stinks he's like all musky and nasty and gross just like cole when he comes home from the gym right <laughs> and uh so they have a certain scent there and that that is held a lot in the tarsal glands that the tarsal glands are like longer hair well what happens is they get stained as they get older mm. with each breeding season a buck is going to rub urinate on his tarsal glands more every year and the acid, I think I think it's ureic acid, I guess it is, um, it stains them darker. And to the point where it could even scald the hair off um, their back legs so down you're, there. you're telling me this deer pees on himself? Yes. What? <laughs> yes. That's disgusting. Proudly That's pees nasty. on himself. <laughs> pees on himself is a sign of dominance to attract women. Nice. Yes. <laughs> the animal world is cruel, folks. <laughs> They're beasts. (laughs) You're telling me this this big brute of a buck is like, I want a woman. I'm going to pee on myself to show my masculinity. Snorts, (laughs) pees on the inside of his legs, lets it run down on the ground to mark his territory. Is that a scrape? I've been so confused about that, too. Yeah. Okay. And then they also have like preorbital glands, like right here in their eye, Mm. that they'll rub and hit a licking branch with so so like when i paint a scrape we have a a painting called scrape line yes and the women always think like oh he's eating the leaves yeah look at his pretty little stance (laughs) no women no that's why that's why scrape line i feel like is is the best painting i've got for an ultimate man cave dude piece oh yeah it's like literally a buck flexing that is peeing on himself yeah Yeah. that is the ultimate bachelor pad piece of art for you and I do get a kick when women are like, oh, he's eating the leaves. That's nice. I bet those leaves taste good. But no, he's hitting the licking branch and rubbing, rubbing uh, that eyeball. branch on his preorbital gland. And so what they do is it's like the calling card. Like that's like the social hub 
and bucks and does will visit a scrape to see, because they can smell if a doe is an estrus, if she's ready to breed. If her pee smells like estrusy or however that's called, <laughs> sure, that's not a term, but he'll know that she's ready to breed. Yeah. And you got to understand, whitetails breed once a year. So it's like, and that's how you propagate the species. So it's intense. Like, homeboys are out looking. They're ready. They're on the prowl. <laughs> they are ready. And she becomes ready for a very specific little window. And when she's ready, he better be ready. Yeah. So that's what all this is about. Wow. <laughs> Guys are not complicated. They're we're, not. We're dudes. <laughs> we're not that much different from rutting whitetails. We're not we that need, complicated. I think we need a PSA that this might not be a child-appropriate podcast episode. Yeah. It's like you <laughs> asking uh, the guys at ASU on football if they have a clean version of yeah, the of song. The, of rap songs. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a clean version of Waka Flocka Flame? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh. So, yeah, th so there's a lot of, and, and this is like a print that combines art and biology, art and hunting, all of it together. So how so, long did it like take you to get all this information for it? Well, the process kind of started in my head. Y you know, you have an idea of like, oh, I wonder if we could do a piece on the growth cycle, like the, the life cycle of a whitetail buck. And... I'm just as much of a deer dork as anybody. I've listened to the podcasts and read everything and read the books and all that kind of stuff. So I, I knew already a lot of the stuff that I thought would be cool to feature. And it starts just like any, you know, magazine I've ever designed or catalog or print publication or whatever in my design years is we just sketch out a framework. Like here's the, here's the areas we want to cover. Here's the art that could go with those areas. And it starts really rough, really loose notes. Like I'd sit down with a notebook and just write 17 things about a whitetail that are unique at each age class. And then you whittle them down to the ones that can really matter the most. Um, and then from there, we start really rough. Like I work with Cameron on the design and, and Cameron is not a deer hunter. He doesn't know any of this stuff. And I kind of liked that. I liked that he was going to bring a fresh perspective to the design that wasn't a copycat of anything that had been done in the outdoor industry before. So I'm explaining that stuff to him just like I am to you. Like, mm -hmm. you know, these and, – and what you're trying to do is connect the dots visually. So like when I work with Cameron, it's like, you know, the scrape copy needs to go here around his back leg, and you're kind of visually placing everything in order. Um, I think his idea – I think he might have been the one that had the idea of, of, of placing them in a line up top, which we were kind of on that same vein anyway. But again, you can get an apples to apples comparison from one and a half to six and a half in order. And almost if you look at it fast, you can see how you can see like a gr buck growing in real time. So to answer your question, to land that plane, the the it starts with an idea of you know what are the five things that we can say definitively about a buck as he matures that i can accurately draw and and depict and then how would that visually lay out so he gets going on the design and i start writing some like i wrote all the copy on here and then sketch the images and start kicking over assets to him and he starts visually laying it out based on the amount of type and copy and all that kind of stuff. Cool. So, so that, that process, um, 
it probably took a month to do all the art and all the research on it. Um, and he's working while I'm working. That was one of the other reasons I wanted to sub out the design work is so that he could be laying the thing out while I'm finishing up the art. And then you can plug those in as we go. Then once we got to a certain point, I wanted to get outside information, kind of a focus group, for lack of a better term, on what we could do differently, what else we could say or do. So I started reaching out to to buddies that I knew that had a cool filter that could understand the concept that deer hunted. Um, hunters are my target market, for sure. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to create something that hunters could relate to, not just biologists or artists. Um, so... I had some buddies, some buddies that I trust in the industry that gave me feedback. Um, then I started going to more experts. Um, Adam and Matt at Land and Legacy reached out to them and said, hey, what do you guys think of this? They put me in touch with Matt Ross and Kip Adams. at uh, They were at QDMA at the time. Now they're at the Deer Association. Um, and those guys were real helpful because they could bring some more scientific up-to-date cutting-edge research to the print that I just kind of knew in theory. You know, they had facts and studies and figures. And then they also helped me, like, for some reason it's sticking out. Um, uh, Matt Dye said the one of the initial sketches, the, the one-and-a-half-year-old had too many ribs showing. He was mm -hmm. too lean. So I filled him out a little bit. So those guys really helped in critiquing the art and the information because I wanted to produce something that was accurate, not yeah. just based on what I thought. Right. So. I think that's cool that you wrote all that stuff out. I didn't yeah. know that. I thought you had just asked somebody else about it, but that's cool too. And and the process of that is like you, there's a ton of information, but obviously you want to balance the art and the information. You don't want it to get too copy heavy. You don't want it to read like a textbook. You don't want any of that stuff. So, we you whittle away like you, t you typically you provide more information and then cut it down chop it condense it can make it more concise right. um to work with the art so are there are there does on there too is that uh there's a doe running in the top left in the back but okay. no but no okay no um people don't really care about the age of does right a does a does yeah. a doe i think those are fascinating though too yeah talking about like the age of her too. The whole thing's fascinating. Yeah. When you really get into it. Yeah. I mean, it really is I've learned so crazy much. fascinating. <laughs> I've learned so mm -hmm. much about these bucks peeing on themselves. It's crazy. <laughs> I can't get over that. <laughs> but so once we had the final art done, um, it's like a lot of other business stuff we talk about. You just got to go. You just got to roll the dice. You just got to try it. And so we had them printed at Worth Higgins, our printer there. <coughs> and, um, I remember we had them printed. So I started on the piece in July. We had them printed um, around the end of September, first part of October. <clears throat> and we had the, the, the waterfowl and the growth of maturity, the whitetail buck printed at the same time. And you just have no idea. You know, I mean, at the time we, we were probably 10 grand into it as far as like straight up cost, not including my time, you know, a couple of months of work. And as an entrepreneur, that's a little bit kind of freaky because mm -hmm. if it doesn't, you don't know if it's going to work. No one's asked me to do this. No one's commissioned me. It's like, it was the first piece of art that I'd ever produced. That wasn't just like a canvas print of a painting. Um, and we're just trying it. We're just going to give it a shot. 
And so we got the prints in from Worth Higgins. And I'll never forget, I was at a CrossFit workout in Boone. And we didn't have we didn't have any fancy marketing then. We didn't have I hadn't hired Paul yet to do professional photography. All I had was an image of the print. Like literally, and you and it's hard to tell how big the print is, what size it is. I posted an image of the print on Instagram, which auto posted to Facebook. And by the time the CrossFit workout was done, we'd ordered we'd sold like fifteen of them. Wow. Because I got back to my phone like, holy crap, you know, this thing might work. Yeah. And nothing but positive feedback. People were buying like crazy. And I remember through the fall, we we probably sold a print like every half an hour, you know, throughout the rest of the fall. It just, it really took off well to the point where it's like, well, now we got to shift and adjust because we didn't expect these to sell all that well. Now we got to, now we got to scramble, which we, you've seen that here, yeah. like with sketch drop, yeah. you know, these did better than I thought we would. That's awesome. But now we got to figure that out. And so you're trying to get that stuff dialed in. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've sold them for four years now and I, I've reached back out to Kip and Adam every time we need to do a reprint, um, or change paper or something like that. I reach back out and I say, Hey guys, is this still current? Like, yeah. is there anything we need to tweak? Have any, have any, um, studies come out that might contradict what, what I put in this thing the first time? And I'm like, no, man, it's still good. Ship shape. Wow. So that's really cool too, to keep it updated. Yeah. Also, because then you have those people that'll, it's like the turkeys the other day, <laughs> will be like, this is wrong. This oh, isn't yeah. right. Yeah. And it's like, is it though? Is it? Yeah. We, we, we catch shade on social media for a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, number one being price. But then I also get some armchair biologists that want to talk about like, oh, well, you know, and this isn't right. Like, uh. I had one guy comment on like, he was like, I, I disagree. I think you're two and a half and three and a half and five and a half year old are off. It was like, yeah, got the four and a half right though. Didn't yeah, I? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and, and that's the thing. I let that stuff roll off my back because I worked with the best of the best. Like lit, I, I sought out the best of the best. And I even printed off some of my old emails um, when I was working with them. And my go-to, before we've printed something, I want honest feedback. And I tell people, if I want a compliment, I'll show this to my mom. She'll give me a compliment. You know, I don't want a compliment. I want you to tell me everything that's wrong in here so we can get it right. And you've seen how many how many revisions these things go through. I mean, we literally revised the thing for probably three or four weeks because once that thing is at press, on that big press at Worth Higgins – you cannot change it. You you have to start over in the process. It's burned. <laughs> it's burned. The 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 image is burned into metal plates in that press. And if you if you want to change one letter, it's a couple thousand dollars to start over. Right. So we work very, very hard to vet the information, proof the information, tweak the information, change it, and make sure it's right. And I worked with the best of the best in the industry. So when some people tell me that the biology is incorrect it's like eh. is it though <laughs> is that your personal so. opinion <laughs> i don't think so uh but what was really cool about the the growth and maturity print is it provided it, it was a new product 
you know, as far as I know, no other wildlife artist does anything like it. You know, I mean, we, we all produce prints of our fine art, uh, but I don't know of anybody that's combined design, layout, biology, hunting, and art the way that we have in that. And it really launched a whole series of prints that way. So the following, uh, two years later, we did the, where well, the following spring, we did the Grand Slam print, Grand Slam subspecies of the wild turkey. And then the following print, the following year, we did the um, anatomy print, anatomy and physiology of the whitetail buck. And a lot of times we sold those as a pair together. And then from there, we've done a couple of posters, which we've talked about, or like a, a smaller, unsigned, unstamped, um, thinner paper, uh, lower price point deal. But all of that work was was. The, the growth and maturity of the whitetail buck is the foundation that that provided that it provided the foundation for all of that work after that. And it really changed my career. We do a lot of different things, a lot of things differently and pivoted off of the success of those prints. Yeah. So you've mentioned how you think that's our wheelhouse is the yep. it, combining, like you said, the information and the artwork into this paper print. Yep. So I can definitely see that, too. From from the most popular prints we have to the most popular uh, social media content that we do, everything that that I like to do that I'm passionate about, and then as our wheelhouse combines art and hunting, art and hunting and, and biology uh, mm-hmm. together, and and I we're unique in that. Like I said, I don't think anybody else is doing it. Um. We get copied sometimes because of that, but um, the, it's the reason we we call this the Art of Hunting podcast is because that you know you you've got to focus on what you're going to be great at, and I'm a focus guy. You guys know that I don't like to get spread too thin. I like to go a mile deep and an inch wide on stuff, and that is the one thing that I like to do and I'm good at, and I feel like we do it better than anybody else. So that's what we've built a foundation on. A lot of the things in our business um, and our marketing is built on that. So you've said the business has changed because of it. What examples happened? Like, well, how did you adjust? Yeah, so well, the, the first thing is it is scalable, and that's key. So a, as an artist we our business is limited by my time and availability and like mental and physical capacity so if if all i'm going to do is paint original oil paintings we we will have a ceiling on us and there's no point having employees or anything like that like we can only do what i can do if we have products like that you can scale that so we can we can print more we they're they're relatively easy to ship. You can standardize that and scale it. I guess is what I'm getting at. So once we produce that product, we we have set like procedures. We have an order fulfillment manual, a way things are packaged and shipped. And as we sell more, we can hire more people to fulfill those orders. Whereas before, everything I was doing had to be manually touched by me, and I still sign and stamp everything and inspect them all, but. I don't have to, I don't have to touch every, every aspect of it. And, um, you can sell more volume of them, um, which means we can hire more people 
And, you know, I mean, we have three, three employees here. We got three people working full time. And if we relied on me painting original oil paintings to do that, a, you wouldn't have anything to do because <laughs> it just made me painting all the time. But B, there's no way we could scale. There's no way we could afford to do that. Right. So, and, and also the, the revenue from those prints have helped us increase the quality of that stuff over time too. Like, uh, we talked about the the shipping tubes. The, again, they're triangles. They're not tubes. <laughs> but they started out as tubes. We started with, we went back to Worth Higgins and um, asked them if they could print my art on standard cardboard shipping tubes. Well, those turned out to be a train wreck because they worked fine for fulfilling the order. But when they came in, they literally came in in a pallet of tubes. They're assembled tubes. And we had to take them apart one by one and inventory them. You had to stack them in a bin. And when you put the print in them, if like the FedEx guy or UPS guy carried them out and he drops one, that sucker rolls across the parking lot for 75 yards. (laughs) And the the FedEx guys hated them. And even in the truck, they would like tip over and then just start rolling. Just Mm -hmm. like beer cans in the back of your pickup. They just be everywhere. And... What we ended up finding out is I ended up having the triangle ones custom made. And so the the success, the the trajectory of that project was such our prints are that we can we can do more with it. It can scale. We can make better packaging. We can streamline stuff. We can do that. And so that product alone fundamentally changed everything that we do here. So you could say the growth and maturity caused the growth and maturity of your business. Wow. You made up for your that Chris Farley thing <laughs> with that right there. Your stock is back up, my dog. Yes, the business has grown and matured as a direct result of the growth, growth and, and maturity, maturity of the whitetail buck. Look at that. <laughs> Who knew that deer peeing on themselves could get us this far? Yeah. Who knew? We are going to solely rely on that forever and ever and ever. Yeah. And one thing that that helps sales, to be honest with you, is I killed a really big deer the following year, yeah. which which kind of made the rounds. And and when you have um, when you have a product like that, and then you get the spotlight directed at you, it it helps. You know, it it helps to get exposure to, you know, not only me as an artist, but the products that we had, and so that helped a lot too. So let's talk about that. That deer was in Illinois, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did it have a name? <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> we, we could do a whole, we could honestly do a whole episode on that, but yeah. no, it, it really wasn't the whole dramatic drawn out story that a deer had a name and I hung, he was planted everywhere. food plots just for him. <laughs> I didn't know he was there. We mm-hmm. had pictures of a big deer the year before. We did not knew what he grew into. We did not have pictures of him that year. And I actually hunted the first three days I was in Illinois. I hunted, uh, my farm out um out east because i didn't know we had a deer that was that big around there i'd have probably hunted there if i'd have known we had that deer but i didn't know he was there hmm. so you wrote a blog but, about this too didn't you yeah 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 okay. and it was cool to do it on my parents farm um uh it was kind of a full circle type story it was pretty cool yeah. but i even remember like i met one of my neighbors out at the other farm you know 45 minutes away and like this was the next morning after I killed that deer. I was picking up Joseph, picking up my buddy after he had he had hunted out there, and I ran into a neighbor and we started talking. And he's like, "Wait a second, is this you?" 
and like holds up a picture and it's me with the deer that I shot the night before. So like the, you know, a, a deer like that kind of spreads around through text messages and all that kind of stuff and rumors start off yeah. of it too. But it was like, it was kind of cool because something like that, I'd never met this guy in my life. He's from Minnesota and we start talking and he's got a picture of that deer on his phone before I even told him about it. Was this the one, did Outdoor Life cover it too? Did they like, was this the one? Did they do that? I think so. There okay. there were a bunch of people that that covered it. And and mainly because um you know, yes, he's a big deer. It's not the not the biggest deer that killed that year by far. It was a big unique deer, but um you know, a lot of people that I had worked with before. Um it was either it might have been Field and Stream that covered it. Okay. Uh, Mossy Oak, some people did some articles and stuff okay. on it. Okay. So So did they when they did those articles, did they talk about that print at all? Or did they just like No, but just talked about me as an artist, link my website, and then you have a really popular whitetail product there. There was no connection. It it sold. Mm, Yeah. Gotcha. So so that helped a lot. And um, you know, and and we have we've ramped up our marketing of it since then. Like we have we do more photo shoots and more video shoots and 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 all that. And it's 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 one of those things where it's a fine line to spend money before you have money as an entrepreneur. Like it's it's more of a gamble to spend a ton of money before you have revenue coming in from that deal. But because we started so so um, simple and it was so popular, the I just kept pumping the money from that product back into better marketing, better materials, better this, better that, and so. That is one thing that we've carried over in other parts of the business where I, there's no way I would have spent the kind of money to launch a product like the growth of maturity, not knowing it was going to be, if it was going to be successful or not, because, you know, like I said, we spent like 10 grand to do the first run of prints. Well, if you spend 50 and the thing fails, you're in a deeper hole than that. But the success of it has allowed us to produce other prints better marketing, hire people, all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of been a springboard and, and some don't work as well. You know, the lab print, we haven't sold as many as, as that we sell growth and maturity almost every day. Oh yeah. Um, and the grand slam and the grand slam that's Turkey season though too. Yeah. But, um, you know, sometimes you do things and they don't work as well. You know, we have wins and losses just like anybody else, but do you think there'll ever be anything close to that again? Um, I mean, we, we would have to branch out, uh, into other species. We've talked about a mallard print. We've talked about, you know, all kinds of other stuff. The thing that is hard though, and we talked about this in another podcast is you have to consider the size of the market. There are more white-tailed deer hunters in, in the United States right now than anything else. And right now aging deer is cool. Might not be cool in five years. You know, um, it definitely wasn't cool 20 years ago. Um, so it's like you have the, the right timing, the right audience and the right product. And that's what's made it successful. Yep. So we're going to give this away. We are. Right? Aren't we? I'm you kidding. say that? <laughs> I was like, you said that earlier. <laughs> Got her. Uh, yeah, we're doing a giveaway. So we are going to give away a framed growth and maturity print. And I'm going to actually do, I'm going to Vanna White this thing. So. A lot of people, it's it's sometimes it's hard to see um, the size of the print itself, but um, it's a twenty by thirty. It's a pretty pretty substantial print, and this is framed in our Timberland. 
So I'll Vanna White this and show it off. But, you know, one of the things that we do on all of our frame prints is it's framed under like uh, a high quality plexi. So we get that shipped in. Um, it's got the backing on the back, framing hardware ready to hang on the wall. And uh, Timberland, is it Timberline? It's Timberland. It's Timberland? Yeah. Okay. Can't remember what I named the framing. <laughs> but no, it's a cool, it's a cool piece. Um, really high quality framing. I feel like we do a good job of that. And, um, one of the things that, one of the things that is really cool about the growth of maturity that we get comments all the time is that it's, it's the hit, it's the, the, it's the, the, the talking point of the room. Mm -hmm. So I, we have wives that say all the time, yeah, I bought one for my husband. Every time his buddies come over, they huddle around that thing. It's the talk of hunting camp. And, you know, I feel like it, it's kind of an honor to produce something like that. But it is it is pretty cool um, to, to to have a piece that's like the conversation piece of all the dudes in the room when they come over and hunt camp. Um, you know, and we get shade about the price for 99 bucks, too. But it's not a we, poster. <laughs> we, put, we put a lot into it. And people would be surprised, like, what it costs to do good work and produce that kind of stuff and ship it well. And, but that's a small price to pay to have literally the focal point of a hunting camp, in my opinion. So, um, it's a good piece and we're going to give it away. So we're going to give away this one in Timberland framing, um, ready to hang on the wall. All you have to do is subscribe to our e-newsletter down below. We, we do a monthly newsletter that shows all of our, um, new originals, new products, new videos, new podcasts. And then we also do some promotions. So you'll be the first to find out about everything. Like Sketch Drop this year, the first one we did, we released it on the e-newsletter before we did anything else. So sign up for the e-newsletter. You'll be the first to figure out everything that we're doing, the first to know. And at the end of the week, we are going to pick a winner and ship them the growth maturity of the whitetail buck for free. Go check it out. Go dogs. Go dogs. Mad dog. <laughs> Okay. And, and the Mountaineers. <laughs> and ASU. Yeah. So anyway, we appreciate it. And episode eight is in the books. Episode nine, the last one of the series, we're going to be asking questions that you guys want to hear. So go check out the Instagram too and submit your questions that you yep. have for Ryan Kirby. Yep. We'll answer them live, real and time. No rehearsal. No rehearsal. And... Miss Kimberly will be on to uh -oh. ask these questions. There we go. So y'all should y'all should check it out. That'll be a fun episode. It'll be fun. So see ya. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>